Hey, everybody. Welcome to Roger and Me, a.k.a. Roger Ebert and Me, a weekly movie review podcast tribute to Siskel and Ebert, hosted by film critics Brett Arnold and Mark Dusick. Hello, I'm Brett Arnold. That's Mark Dusick right over there if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, and if you're listening, Mark will give you a hello right now. Hello, Mark. Hello. There we go. Right on cue. Beautiful. Uh, it's a podcast where we aim to cover every new theatrical and streaming release every Friday in the format that Gene Siskel and Roger Ebert pioneered. It is that simple. If you're wondering why it's called what it is and why the artwork looks the way it is, I feel like it was more <laughs> relevant to the old format in which we watched old episodes of Siskel and Ebert and reevaluated the movies from a modern lens, talked about whether Siskel and Ebert got it right. Uh, great idea. Hard to do alongside keeping up to date with new releases, which is what I really am passionate about, what Mark has been passionate about for 22, 23 plus years. I always get the number wrong. Check his website for the archives. You can get it right on there. Uh, this week, we have nine new releases somehow. Last week, we had 11, and we were like, oh, next week will be great. It'll have to be easier. I guess so, slightly. Uh, for you, it wasn't. I feel like you actually did watch probably 11 or 12 is that true uh, that yes yeah yeah brutal uh <laughs> look don't know all i can say is it. i promise next week just like last week we promised that this week was going to be slower next week is going to be slower <clears throat> and that's a promise and that's a promise <laughs> and that's a promise well It'll we'll be see. like eight instead of nine at the end who knows <laughs> oh my goodness yeah at uh, the beginning of the week it's always like there's nothing coming out this week and by the end of the week, I'm cramming before the recording to watch another one because somehow there are nine. <laughs> so that's where we are. This is a rare week, Mark, where I don't think I left the house for any of these. I think these were all screeners. Uh, a yeah, full nine screener week. I don't know when the next actual screening for me. Oh, no, I do. It's for Argyle. That's like the next thing that's going to screen. I mean, technically, there's an Amazon Prime video uh, movie that comes out next week that they are trying to get people to go to a screening to. I'm is not the going. Jennifer Lopez thing that I no. keep hearing about. <laughs> no, it's not. I'm not going. You're going to send me a screener for the streaming movie. I'm just saying that <laughs> yeah. right up front. Yeah, so. they were screening. They screened Merry Little Batman, the the WB dumped kitty Batman cartoon. They they also sent a link. Thank you, Amazon. But they did offer in person screenings, which I think is interesting. And uh, you know, for certain things, maybe I would be excited about that. Like I love when, like if Netflix, like when Netflix offered The Killer, I'm sure you were stoked to see that in the theater. That's a real David Fincher film. Uh, nothing of that caliber today. Lots of indie movies you've never heard of. Um, there's no there's no reason to list these off. There's a Dolph Lundgren written directed starring in vehicle that's one to highlight there's a horror ish movie with guy pierce that's very boring there's a horror movie that is very low rent that a lot of people have already seen because it was the regal mystery movie of the week a couple weeks ago when all the redditors had convinced themselves it was the beekeeper and instead it was founder's day a very cheap slasher which we'll talk about uh let's just get into it I figured we should start in the most obvious place, Mark, which is a movie called The End We Start From. We're starting at The End We Start From, starring Jodie Comer. I, it must be, it's a foreign film. It's not an American, it must be like British or something. I don't, mm -hmm. I actually yeah, don't know. Yeah, it's from the UK. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm very informed, very well read on the subject of the movies we're talking about today. Uh, let's get into it. The trailer for The End We Start From. Here we go. Do you want to go and have some dinner? Well, I don't know you. I don't know you either. Could be a disaster. It isn't real anymore. Hi. What you miss doesn't exist. I'm just, just like having a moment, you know. All right. Now, this is a fun exercise for me because I just watched this yesterday and Mark reviewed it uh, as an end of the year 2023 catch up. Uh, You know, it wasn't really out, but it got an Oscar uh, qualifying run somewhere. So Mark reviewed it. I I missed my opportunity to see it. So I watched it now. It is now playing. I think Mark looked it up. Did you say it was sorted? Yeah, sorted markets. It's 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 across the country, but it's not more than likely. It's not going to be at your local theater, but you can probably. find So it's it. nowhere near wide. But if you have an art house in your town, maybe it might be there. So look for the end. We start from uh, Mark. What do you what is this movie? Oh, OK, here we go. So I just <laughs> realized watching that trailer. This is a weird thing, but I didn't quite realize that her water breaks. And then the water breaks. Oh, yeah. Um, I just got that. Anyway. Well, I think that's interesting because one of the very first things I wrote down, I'm like, it seems like this didn't actually happen. It seems like, I mean, the flood is happening very much so. But the very specific her room, her apartment or whatever it is getting blown out and her being in it and getting violently thrown around. That to me, it's all just visual symbolism for her giving birth and that whole process so i was already i was kind of taken with it from there because i was like this is bold and audacious and interesting um and i liked that about it but i will let you continue yeah so the uk london potentially other parts of the world it's very vague because they flood and there's no explanation for the cause of it we don't know why it happens we don't know how it happens you can assume climate change there is this running theme of denial and all of that that's going through the movie so i think that's kind of it it's all subtext so if you don't like politics in your movies for whatever reason i don't know why um it's not there but the point is uk is flooded new mother has to survive with her uh boyfriend or husband who's played by joel fry he's really good here and the dynamic between these two characters is what really pulled me in because as they're going first they go to his parents house to try to they're like in a highlands area so it's away from the flooding they can survive there he's really bad under pressure and i really appreciated the fact that she's very calm and collected because you know, she's got a baby to take care of and she has to figure all this out. And he's terrified. He can't even, he can't even get out of a car to get food for himself and his family. Right. And like, to be fair to him, the food situation is scary. Like Uh it is hard to get food in this, in this new world. People are fighting or beating the shit out of each other as whoever the people distributing food are distributing it. So like, I understand, you know, you can sympathize, but also he can't, he just can't handle it. And it's very much a masculinity thing. I can't provide for my family thing. And he ends up like, you know, out of the picture. And 
I did love that about it too, because I think it gets at something that, you know, I was talking about with my wife while she was pregnant. Like for a woman, when they're pregnant, it's like a part of their body and it's very real for them in a way that is kind of abstract for the man. I feel like until the baby is there, you know what I mean? Like you can be as prepared as you can, but then the shit hits the fan and you're kind of in it. And it's the woman has had more time to prepare or something. So this movie definitely is getting at like that motherness of like a mom protecting her child and how it's just kind of second nature to her. And she won't even like let the inherent shittiness of the life or death scenarios, you know, get her to the point where she can't handle it. I mean, she screams and, you know, cries and whatnot, uh, but it's very realistically handled. And that's why I like this movie, Mark. It is kind of like the post-apocalyptic movies we've seen before, except scaled way down. It's not a big action spectacle. Instead, it's I, I felt like it seems to be going for a more realistic, well, we live in the time of climate change, uh, you know, doom and gloom in the news and whatnot, and presumably actually happening. <laughs> And this is like kind of the scenario that you go, oh, so this is what it would actually look like if a climate, like the end of the world scenario, as we could come to know it, it just feels like a realistic, like this towns would flood and you would have to figure out what the fuck to do and where to go. And it just kind of watches her go from point A to point B in a way that I found compelling. Yeah, it is compelling in that way. I was really caught up in the survival elements of it because it does feel very realistic in terms of how everything happens. It's all about... It's all about population management. Like the entire city of London is uninhabitable. So what do you do with everyone who's there? Where do yes. they go? What do the villages do? They most of them shut down and set up like, you know, p- police patrols around of course. their borders. It's yeah. interesting in that way. And again, yeah, I really like the dynamic between Comer and Fry uh, characters because they are so completely diametrically opposed in a way that you can you can relate to. Like, yeah. I would hope I would be calm like Homer's character, but there's a very distinct possibility. Yeah. You're going to be freaked out like Fry's yeah. character and not be able to do anything. I really like that. I think it does lose something as soon as that character exits the picture. I won't say why I won't say anything about that. I, not what yeah, you think. I not can't exactly argue with, what you think. I can't argue with that. I thought it was interesting. The, I, I guess I, I can't argue with that, but I, I liked the addition of a character that comes in around that yeah. point. And I, I'm glad Catherine Waterston's in the movie. Yeah, I like uh, her a lot, and she's really good here. She's really good. She's always great. And there's another high-profile actor that I won't ruin yeah, if it's a spoiler it's a, or something. One-scene cameo. It's not worth spoiling just because it's, oh, hey, that person yeah. did it. And that, that person also had the same exact scenario in another recent movie. So that's fun trivia. If you are if you are a hardcore listener of the show, we covered this movie a week or two ago that also features the same actor in a one scene cameo, essentially. Um, there's definitely some COVID parallels you could put on this movie if you want to. Um, there's like a whole, I- the whole idea of like going on a commune and being with the people and not worrying about the outside world, the people that hide and pretend nothing happened, the people that want to rebuild, the people that want to look forward. Like it gets at all these perspectives without overcrowding any of them. And I thought the way it flashes back to the past was very visually clever and stylish, which is something we're going to talk about today in a lot of movies. I feel like there's other movies you talk about today where the flashbacks were very clunky and not stylish. And I appreciate it. I watched these all in quick succession. So when you see those things happen back to back, you're like, oh, this one did flashbacks well. Whereas other movies we'll talk about, I don't agree. I already um, know what you're getting at. It's going to be, we're going to be arguing on a couple of these, which is nice. But I'm It is fun. Yeah. Yes. Hopefully so, uh, sparks fly. I'm, you know, obviously I'm a, 
a few months removed from having no only one month is it really only been a month oh my god anyway yeah. so i'm like, like a month 45 movies month. later or whatever i know <laughs> but i do recall that my big issue with it is once fry's character and exits it's nice to have waterston's character show up but i think it kind of also loses whatever thematic thing it's going for it has all of that subtext like you brought up about you know do we move forward or do we stay behind and try to you know I don't think that landed as well just because of the mystery surrounding the disaster. Like if it is supposed to be a metaphor for climate change or it is actually happening and how we're reacting to it now, if it's that it didn't, it didn't register for me as strongly as everything else it does beforehand, as familiar as all of it is with like staying in the, the shelter and all these people like they're like roving gangs of people trying to steal stuff. It's all the stuff you've seen in a post apocalyptic yes. story, but it still works because Comer's really good. Fry's really good. Waterston's really good. It's all that yeah. thematic stuff that didn't land for me by the end. And I felt as if the entire third act is just one long anticlimax of just, Oh yeah. That we're going to resolve of, it. Kind of cheap. Yeah. Yeah. I do yeah. agree with that. It definitely wraps up a little too neatly for what it's doing. Yeah. Um, but it didn't ruin it for me to the point where I'm going to dock at anything. So like I'm fully three out of four recommend for, um, the end we start from with Jody. Cullen. Got it. I'm on my classic on the fence, two and a half stars. I, whatever. Okay. It's not, I respect that. Not a, not a, not recommendation, not a recommendation. Just, I'm going to be on that bubble for at least one of these movies that you were uh, on the three, four. So it'll be a nice role reversal. Uh, okay. Let's move to the next movie of the week. This is a smaller indie sci fi movie from uh, Bleecker Street, a nice indie outlet that puts out good stuff usually. Um, this is a movie that debuted at Tribeca, which was my first red flag. <laughs> as a noted tribeca hater um is it any good in very good cast for the budget level uh does it deliver here's the trailer from all of us down here in mission control welcome to Satan. the russians always knock three times i think it's just a superstition don't do Listening to the wind of change. Wow. We are seeing pictures, but this is. We don't talk politics. Here we are. One. Hey, guys. Wait a minute. What the hell is going on down there? Oh, whoa. We gotta get out now, guys. Let's get out. Oh, my God. Mark, I think why I will just get it over with, why I'm so disappointed with this movie is I love the setup so much. I think it's a great premise and the execution is okay at best. And once the table is set, it just kind of plays out as you'd expect, but somehow slower. Um, Why don't you explain what it is and if you agree with that premise that it's like brilliant kind of. It's a great, great premise. Um, the screenwriters, Nick Shafir or Schaefer, uh, such a great premise. The, the astronauts on the ISS are stranded there. It's six astronauts on the ISS and nuclear war breaks out between the United States and Russia and it's American scientists, and Russian scientists up there. But I mean, fantastic. No notes on the premise. You've got, you nailed that part, but you're right. 
the execution leaves a lot to be desired. And it's because I think part of it is it's so limited in terms of the cast. And it's so limited in terms of what you expect from a movie set in space. You have to have the spacewalk scene that goes wrong. You just have to. That is a thing that happens when there's a movie set in space. There's a spacewalk scene that goes wrong. Yes. And I know it's the I, I, I know it's the central theme of the movie, which is can these enlightened people get above the petty squabbles that are going down on earth being scientists who care about truth and you know a higher purpose? Or are they going to resort to their primal natures and all this tribalism stuff? And go for it. And I feel as if the the screenplay eventually turns its characters into idiots, which is oh, unfortunate. Yeah. Because oh, yeah. why can't you just make this smart? Why can't just you talk just, about it? You know, just talk <laughs> about it. And yeah. I know part. And I know again, that's part of the premise is that some of the characters are trying to hide it from each other because it's very much is, like a yeah. It's like everyone gets information that others don't have, so they're yeah. all like keeping it from each other, and that's the tension. And again, you're just watching this shit play out, and you're like. I feel like I know where this is going. Like, there's only one way it can go, honestly. Yeah, and the so the commanding officers on the, either side, on the American side and the Russian side, you we know that the Americans get an order to take over the ISS by any means necessary. The American scientists assume the Russians got the exact same order, and so they're just trying to like not talk to each other at all and keep it silent. But there's also all this other stuff too. Oh, I forgot about like the setup for the life support system like as long as you hear the whirring you're oh, okay yeah. but once that buzzing yeah. stops you're in trouble like okay we get it there's so much foreshadowing so many uh, there's a checkoffs what was it that she has like a tether oh um, yeah yeah something like that like oh well that's gonna come into play it did come into play the way i thought it would i'll give it credit for that um but man there's just so much screenwriterly stuff that you can see like oh they're setting oh, yeah. this up and it turns into over conflict way too much like the spacewalk scene there's a literal fight or two that happens that i like okay you just again you just turned your characters against yeah. each other for reasons that i don't think would register yeah. um yeah that's my that's my frustration with it but i really think the premise is so strong oh it's I so good i don't care i know and there's like moments where they like like the spiritual breakthrough i feel like that someone's having with like you see earth from above with no borders and like we're all one like there's like interesting ideas that they get at from up there <laughs> and, but they but also yeah. but they also suggest that you don't some people don't have that feeling and doesn't that right. kind of yeah. bring up the whole thing like oh maybe some people don't have that recognition of we're all one thing yeah <laughs> one human species on the planet and we should work right. together and that becomes part of it too that's an interesting idea that doesn't follow through but yeah, it just needs a little more meat on the bone. It's all just like they're set against each other and then they all like do little things to get, you know, to try and one up each other. It looks good for the budget level, I think. Like it definitely is. A, it seems like a cheap movie, but it doesn't look cheap. Um, and it's got, you know, some mild suspense at times, some some d good performances. Uh, Ariana DeBose is in this. She did the thing, as they say. Um, it's it's a two and a half -er, but it's like it's not bad it's not good it's very forgettable but it's watchable classic january dump it's like a two and a half it's inoffensive if you watched it you wouldn't go that sucked you wouldn't go that was great you would go all right like what else is on what's next um christmasina ariana debose john gallagher jr 
all great actors. Other people I haven't recognized before were also uh, Palu Azbak is from Game of Thrones, and he's ah. good here. He's one of the Russian scientists. Um, oh yeah, yeah, I know that guy. Yeah. He was in like Uncharted and shit too. Um, oh yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. So two and a half for me on yeah, ISS. two and a half for me too. It's 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 not terrible. It's not bad. It just doesn't fulfill the great promise that it has from the start, and that's really yeah. too bad because man. That's one know, of those you hope would get remade later on. Like, give this sure. This is always. It's never the movies you want to get remade that get remade. It's always yeah, something like right because they remake great movies that people love instead of movies with great premises that don't have good execution, which is absolutely what it should be. Yeah. Uh, but we don't live in that world. We unfortunately. don't. Um, all right, let's talk about this slasher movie that is getting a wider release than it probably should. Uh, Here's the trailer for Founder's Day. You know you don't have to go. Princess Bustang. Hey! You looking for... Things are really heating up in the race for mayor. We're just days away from going to the polls. Which is actually the reason for this weekend's celebration. The tricentennial. A town festival with a mass killer running around. Whoever it is, is just getting showy. That's how these guys start to trip up. I know there's a lot of speculation. I know there's a lot of rumors going around. What happened that night? Let's all stay close to home. Don't let your children out. Stay safe. Now, this is a rare Mark one-star review. Rarely does he reserve such vitriol for for such films. Uh, it must be pretty bad, right? So tell me about it. Tell me about it. Um, I think I think you're setting up for a... You didn't hate it that much. Yeah, um, no, it's funny I, because like I can barely defend it, but like I did like it definitely more than like a one star pan. But okay. it, it kind of surprised me only because I was expecting that one star pan. And I think it does a little more with it than that. I, I don't think it does. What is it trying to do? It's like it has the easiest setup. Talk about like a premise. It's not even a great premise, but a premise that is full of potential, which is small town politics. And it's a slasher movie. Yeah. It's like the ball is on the tee and yeah. it swings and completely misses. It is, <laughs> there's no real satire here. Um, the budget limitations are embarrassing. I mean, yeah, you cheap, have these cheap big movie. protests. I'm not even talking like the way that it looks. It looks fine. It looks fine enough for like a, you know, low budget slasher movie. I'm just saying you're trying to set up like this town is at each other's throats between these two mayoral candidates who you have no sense of, except that one of them is in office and the other one isn't. And they're talking about change and that's it. But these townsfolk are going crazy over it. They're having protests on the main street and the protest of like 12 people. When they I know. Above. And, <laughs> and the same 12 people keep showing up everywhere. They're like, it's the big, what is it? Tricentennial festival. They said, yeah. it's like 12 people in the crowd. That's it. Yeah. There's like 12 people at this festival. It's the crew then, of the movie. I know. And then there's <laughs> a town hall meeting. It's the same 12 people. It's it's ridiculous to just watch this. Like the, the, the scope of it is so low stakes that the entire movie feels that way too. Beyond that though, it's all the usual slasher stuff. And I don't think it works because the melodrama isn't interesting. It's a bunch of relationship stuff that 
that doesn't go anywhere because the characters are just going to get killed off like five minutes after they're introduced. They're yeah. those weird bullies that are doing like pretending to be mass killers to prank oh, yeah. people. Yeah, it's very like taking a moment from Scream and just, you know, making it, putting it in your movie. We're like a a guy in a Scream mask terrorizes Sydney at school. Like this movie is very ripping off every Sasha movie ever, but also feels very just like it's a low budget shitty Scream. Yeah. If it were funny, if it had anything to say about politics, either on a local level or on a broader level of where we're at in this country in terms of the political climate, if it had anything to say about it, it could have been interesting. But yeah. it has nothing to say about it. I really anything. thought it was setting up like Trump versus Hillary, at least, or something like old, old hat, maybe, but at least some sort of dynamic. But it doesn't really go that far with either one to let you make that uh, assessment. It really doesn't have anything to say politically. But in terms of like the slasher plotting and stuff, I did find the ultimate reveal of what's happening not the first one but the ultimate one because mm-hmm. there is a fake one that is the most convoluted dumb bullshit later when they re- reverse it when they show you the scene they showed you earlier but like this is what was really happening that is some really dumb shit but you know this is a dumb movie but the slasher reveal uh at the end of the movie was kind of inspired for me a little bit like i love i kind of liked the explanation for what it was and why it was as many people as it was like it's just kind of like again it feels like it's ripping off other movies for sure but i wasn't like i don't know i feel like i enjoyed the resolution of this movie better than like i don't even remember how thanksgiving or scream six ended because they were both like kind of duds of third third act duds and you know this movie's not good but it kept my interest enough to the point where when it got to the reveal, I wasn't like, oh, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. I was like, okay, well, that that is what they're doing with the political stuff, I guess, is that. And I really liked the like button ending on it. That like some, something occurs between the final girl and the killer that I you've I've never maybe never seen in a slasher movie before. That is like a subversion of an ending. And I kind of liked that it ended that way. So like it's funny because I agree, it's cheap, it's amateurish. There's no kills that are memorable, honestly. I don't remember any of them. So like it doesn't really deliver as a slasher movie. I'm not going to I'm not going to end up recommending this, but I do think there's more merit to it than a one-star movie, which everybody is treating it that way. Like the Regal the Regal Mystery Movie crowd, which by the way, they saw it for the cost of $1. It came out on it was a January 1 special. It was a $1 ticket, which should have given away that it wasn't the fucking beekeeper, by the way. Um, <laughs> you fools. Um, but it was this movie. And everyone, I, I see these people on Reddit. I see them on YouTube comments. They all thought it was like the worst, most amateurish piece of shit they've ever seen. And like, I guess I just watch enough bad horror that I'm like, yeah, this is bad, but it's not the worst thing I've ever seen. So like, I'm a two star review for Founders Day. Uh, didn't love it. Didn't hate it. Thought it was a passable. If you're gonna need, if you need to watch a new slasher, it gets the job done. Not really. Like two stars, it doesn't isn't to get the I, job it, done. Yeah, I don't it know. doesn't get the job done. But it's not. I it's I not. Just it's not it, offensive. I just think it's yeah. so dumb, and I think it's such wasted potential with the satire element. And I don't it think is. the the first twist is completely predictable. You can tell it yes. from the scene when it happens because there's yes. something off about that scene. And I yes. thought it was just cheap. I thought it was just cheaply made. I thought it was just badly made. And then yeah, like, it's one of oh, those movies where you can't tell if like is that yeah. happening is because that this movie's cheap or, or yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. yeah there's something yeah. else going on here. And that second reveal, man, 
it could have worked if the political satire had landed because it is as an idea as a tantalizing idea yeah it's a what clever happens. like holy shit like what if someone did that like in and the I real hate world the fact, i hate yeah. the fact i cannot explain why it makes zero sense that the killer's oh. identity is what it is i wish i could explain it because but i can't even hint at it because it would give it away because it's it's such a prominent through line in the movie of what's going on here hmm. maybe i don't know it we'll talk about it later i'm excited to hear it makes that. no sense I'm, st well, uh, I'm standing by one star. Okay. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, I wasn't hoping to move you or anything. I know. <laughs> um, <laughs> William Russ is in this, who, if you're my age, you will remember him as Corey Matthews' father on Boy Meets World. Recurring, you know, recurring he's, role for 10 he's years. A, he's a social studies teacher at the high school. I love, like, everybody loves this guy. Like, everybody knows him by reputation. At the bar, he's stopping fistfights from breaking up by, like... Hey, what do you think about this issue? Well, this is what I think. He just takes this like completely both toes position. Yeah, you know yeah. what? You have a good idea. You know what? Let's not fight. It's okay if we don't yeah. fight. Man, you are the best person in town, I'll bet. May maybe you should run for mayor. It's one of those uh, movies where the like performance levels vary so much. Like the 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 mayoral candidates are like Hallmark level movie performance, and then other people are like a little better. Uh the killer has like a gavel knife. Like I like the the killer the gavel knife is stupid and funny the killer's mask is whatever but the movie doesn't really do anything with any of that it doesn't explain any of that in a compelling way uh like the backstory of um the mask or the gavel or why this person's doing it the way they're doing it it really yeah, who is it supposed to be is it just a judge or is it some historical figure from the town yeah i don't, I don't know i don't even think it, they explain it, that it's it feels very like Oh, like less interesting after after you've seen Thanksgiving too, because it's like kind of similar in a few ways. Where it's just like, yeah, I've seen this already. Like this is like the low rent version of Thanksgiving that was already low rent, kind of. You know, um, not good, not the worst thing I've ever seen. Uh, I thought I was, I thought I had one more thing to say about it. Um, oh, that it was kind of like, it's like a kind of hard to follow in terms of just like lots of local relationships you don't care or know about and like political intrigue you don't care or know about so yeah i understand why you didn't like it <laughs> but uh just gotta stand out with the two from the one big difference to me gulf like a gulf of quality between two and one there uh and i think you know the movie is amateurish but that i wish that storyline was given better justice i guess but like at least they had a story you know uh let's jump to the next movie before mark yells at me more about how that movie sucks because he's not wrong um this is a directorial debut i believe by daniel kalua an actor that you probably know from get out and widows what else is he in since then he's been in stuff you know daniel uh, oh the black messiah judas and the black, yeah, messiah. Judas and the black messiah he won the um, oscar for that he did that's right uh yeah. it was at that kind of like fake oscar year though the like weird Oscar ceremony COVID thing. Uh, so yeah, I did forget that. Wow. Uh, Daniel Kaluuya. I don't know if he wrote it. I have to look. Uh, he definitely directed it with somebody else. Two directors on it. Hopefully Mark has the details I don't have in front of me. Uh, here's the trailer for The Kitchen, which is coming to Netflix. But I feel like I have to specify. This isn't one of those. This isn't a Netflix original. This feels like a acquired movie, which is to me an important distinction. Here's the trailer. Good morning. This is the Lord Kitchen, live and direct. I can feel it. I won't come down. 
I'm getting out of this place. It's all home. She gets real, saving myself. So where do you live? Kitchen. Really like what it tastes like. Yeah. You say it by yourself. Take me away. What is the kitchen? Not to be confused with the kitchen. 2019, starring Melissa McCarthy and like Tiffany Haddish and stuff. And Elizabeth Moss. Yeah, that's right. Don't confuse, yes. Yeah, don't confuse. Don't it confuse with, it. That with this. Don't this do is it. Good. This is good. And the main reason it's good is that it is set in a near future, and it is grounded in such reality in terms of the socioeconomic things going on here the way that it's all about land acquisition so it's set primarily in and around the last housing complex like public housing complex in london where the people are technically trespassing because the land's been purchased it's going to be the the apartments are going to be torn down for something and these people refuse to leave and they will not leave because this is their home and they know exactly what will happen if they get kicked out of their home in a city where everything revolves around people who have money versus people who don't have money. Um, it's, it is instantly grounded in some form, form yeah. of reality. And I think that's what it makes it work. And it, then the human drama that happens, it's about this guy who works at, I really like this touch of, he works oh, yeah. at a funeral parlor where I guess you have to spend, you have to have a lot of money to be buried at this point. Um, and so people are just cremated and put into a, into a tree. Like they're just, they're, they're fertilizer for the yeah. soil. Yeah. Your yeah. ashes are just fertilizer for the soil of a tree that stays in this place. And so if you people, have money, you can yeah. go plant it somewhere. If you have money. Yeah. You can yeah. plant it somewhere or you can stick around in this place for as long as you can afford to keep it there. So you have some place to visit. It's little details like that. Yep. It's so yep. sinister and insidious when you think about. It's like what's we're going not that far here. off from that. Like when we're someone not. dies, you know how fucking expensive it is. You have to buy uh -huh. the urn, and like mm -hmm. it's just like it, it is a great future detail where it's like yeah, it's barely different than what it is now, and it still feels like heinous. Yeah, it does. Um, and it, but you can see the you can see this future coming, and that's what makes it work so well. And then yes. again, human drama guy, this guy who works there sees a young boy who is the son of a woman that he used to date. And, you know, I mean, it's kind of obvious what's going on here. He it's thinks, very heavily implied that a thing is yeah. happening and it's kind of, obvious. it's very obvious. It's kind of the movie knows the kid, it's obvious and, though. Yeah. And it's fine. Yeah. The kid, yeah. the kid thinks that he's his father. The guy thinks he might be his father, but he's not a hundred percent. Refuses sure. to so like it. Or I don't even know if you, I don't even know if it's that. I feel like he just refuses to like accept the reality that, he has to, you know, be a father figure to somebody. Like, Correct. Ready to yeah. Do that. Yep. Yeah. He's completely selfish. He is cut off from the world. He is trying to get out of the housing complex called the kitchen. He's trying to get out of there and go to one of these, you know, higher end apartments that are popping up in the city. And so he doesn't want to have the burden of, you know, a teenage kid that he's going to have to look out for because he just, he just got into this apartment and he, he's trying to save up the money for the down payment on it. That's his primary goal. And then this kid comes into the picture and it's like, what are you going to do? Oh about man. It? Yeah. The scene it's where so he has to good. the scene where he has to decide, like, so because basically what I, the implication was he's waited a very long time to get the single occupancy room. It's very hard to get. There's a lineup out the door when he tries to deal with it. And he has, it's about to be his time to get his single occupancy room in a real place. 
And then he has to decide, do you want to give up that room so you can apply for a double and have this child now? So yeah, really, it has great little touches like that throughout casual futuristic details like uh in grand theft auto how when you get a haircut you get to see it on yourself before they do it that's a reality in this movie there's a mirror where you can see your haircut before you get it brilliant um i don't know if this was the pitch but my pitch like walking away from it was to explain to somebody would be imagine blade runner future but like what that would look like from the projects and like that's kind of the aesthetic of it and it's really unique and interesting and because of that human drama, it's very compelling and it never feels flat, even though it's a movie that like we reviewed what Concrete Utopia like a month or two ago. And that reminded me of that, which reminded me of Land of the Dead. It's, there's a lot of post-apocalyptic building based things, but this one manages to stand out. It does. And um, you brought up Daniel Kaluuya and it's his feature directorial debut. It's also the feature directorial debut of Kibwe Tavares. Um, they're both British artist obviously actor i think yeah Tavares is an architect which makes a lot of sense i just looked up to, wow yeah, yeah. that it's makes like a I lot must of sense make a movie about a building i must so it's yeah i mean it's on the it's it's right on the money there and <laughs> i don't know if i've seen the lead actor his name's kane robinson apparently he's a british musician he's so good here I, yeah and the, i thought the kid was great too which i never yeah, i never liked kids in movies but yeah, yeah they're both really good i didn't know either of them and they're both fantastic yep I mean, this is an easy uh, recommendation, right? It's on easy. Netflix. It's easy, easy to watch. recommendation. It's, yeah, uh, it's about the harsh realities of the world and how you're on your own for the most part, unless you know, you got a father figure maybe to to find. Um, it's just yeah, watching him refuse to open up and talk about what the kid knows is like tough and really dramatic and interesting from a movie perspective. Uh, it's a gritty, you know, gritty dystopian working class, fucking post-apocalyptic thing. If that sounds good to you, you will enjoy it. It's 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 quite good. Three stars for me for The Kitchen 2024 on Netflix. Yeah, three stars for me too. Just it's really solid in terms of world building and in terms of the drama. Would you expect one or the other, I think, in these movies? Like it's either gonna nail the drama and the premise, or it's gonna nail how it looks. This one gets both right, I think. Absolutely. Now let's talk about the movie where Antonio Banderas and Alice Eve are private investigators. What, what more needs to be said? Here's a trailer for the horribly titled Cult Killer. Terrible title. So what's it like being a private investigator? The job is long. You sit up for hours watching the monsters. Sounds perfect. I'll show you how to run the business, how to protect yourself, how to shoot. Well, let me introduce you to Cassie Hull. Hi. She's a colleague of my friend, Mikhail Tellini. I hereby appoint you, Cassie Holt, special investigator to the murder of a brother investigator. Whatever they were looking for, I'm guessing they didn't find. Continue tracking the, the money trail. Did it say anything about a hidden room? Not supposed to be any hidden room. Gotta say, biggest surprise of the week was getting the Mark email alert from your review dropping and seeing a three-star review slapped on. Sorry to ruin the suspense here. Uh-oh, microphone issue. Sorry to ruin the suspense here. I know you wanted to know. You didn't want to know that Mark gave it three stars. But I was shocked to see this like DTV-looking thing get three stars. And then I watched it. 
And I'm not that far off, honestly. So uh, please describe what the hell this movie is oh, and why good, it stands out from I, similar fare. I watched it and I was involved in it. And I thought, did I just did I just lose my mind? Did something go wrong here? Did something did something finally snap? Because, yeah, this is a yeah. cheap direct-to-video, grisly, nasty thriller. And I, I, it works. And I think it's primarily because Alice Eve and Antonio Banderas are really good here. And I didn't Alice Eve, I think is overlooked as, as an actor. And this movie actually trusts her with a lead role playing this hard boiled detective, not the first role I would have thought to give to her, man, she nails it. And it's a performance that grounds everything. And Antonio Banderas, who is also an actor who gets overlooked. I think I might've read a little bit too much into this because I really like both of these actors. And I think they both get over, have been overlooked or are currently overlooked. And so having Banderas be the mentor to Eve's character, yes. it's a, something clicked in me that on that level too, because it's like Banderas knows about typecasting and not being appreciated for what he's capable of until recent years. And so he's, yeah. The detective who gets to teach her, this is how you do it. This is how you do it right. And something about that little meta level of it, I think. I don't even know if it's intentional, but for me, I read it. Beyond that, though, it's a good little murder mystery that turns into a thriller with... I'm trying to think of... Um, I think it's got like tones of Luther and tones of Killing Eve, where you sure. have a killer kind of talking through to yes. somebody else. Yes. And so it's got that element going on. It was on. very girl with the dragon tattoo to me. I mean, that that element, not so much, but it felt like the girl with the dragon tattoo conversing with another girl with the dragon tattoo. It's like, we're not so different, you and I, detective yeah. and killer. Yeah. Yeah. So that's going on too. But I didn't really care about the fact that it felt familiar because I still think it works. It's about this these rich people who are stealing women and turning them to sex slavery and sex trafficking. And Alice Eve's character uncovers it and she has to deal with her own trauma. But again, that performance is so good and it grounds it so well that I didn't care that it turns into like a cheap, grisly, nasty thing that doesn't quite work in terms of like the visuals and like the, 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 the killings and all that stuff. Oh, sure. Stuff, I was le far less interested in that than just watching Alice Eve's character go through the motions of learning about what's going on in the case and Banderas in those flashbacks explaining yeah. how you become a detective and how like, it's not like it is in the movies. Like, What's the guy's name from Kill Bill who trains her? Like, It's like those sequences where she's getting a training and we're, le we're learning how she, she did jujitsu and why that happened, all that shit. Yeah, um, this is how you but, pick locks and you can hack computers and all that. Like, whatever. But there's, they're talking about more than just that. They're talking about things like ethics and morality and expectations of life and legacy and all that stuff really hits on a level I wasn't expecting because it is the yes. two of them talking about it. Yeah. Well, I also was taken with it right away as like when you meet Alice Eve, she's like this drunk bar fly, like taking advantage of guys at the bar to get free drinks. And he basically sees her potential and helps her get clean as a former addict himself. And it's just really cute <laughs> narrative with them as, as mentors and mentees. And I also didn't expect that at all. And then, like, there are some shocks in this movie about, like, you, things happen that you won't see coming at times you won't expect them to. So, like, it does, it is better than the your, your average direct-to-video thing. But for me, you know, it's still very much just ripping off, like, you know, we had a whole genre in the 90s, I think, uh, you know, woman on uh, woman hunt serial killer movies. 
you know, like Silence of the Lambs or Along Came a Spider, Bone Collector, Copycat, Todd Taking Lives. <laughs> I can name a fucking thousand of these. There are so many. So it really is just doing that. And it really feels like the sexual abuse backstory is very Dragon Tattoo and how it's portrayed is the same thing. The Epstein almost level sex trafficking and abuse and, you know, that stuff, it works in this movie because it's portrayed on it, like honestly in, ter- in the terms of the movie where like there's a character that went through that. There's a character who went through something similar and can relate to it. So yeah, there's a lot going on here that makes it better, but I, there's something keeping me from still giving it a three-star review, you know? Like, it it does have cheap... It is a cheap movie still, but the performances are do, do you know, heighten it. Um, I appreciated the killer taunting the detective thing about it. I love that they harp on her library science degree like she's Parker Posey in Party Girl uh getting a job um it was it was it's almost there for me it's two and a half but like respectful i say check it out if it sounds good to you but i'm not quite at the mark like this is actually quite good but i do think it's 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 good enough yeah i'm at the mark it's good enough and it's good enough for me to actually recommend it if you like these actors or if you're just curious like if you feel like a throwback movie like the ones that you brought up those were good examples of those i think this does it better than some of those too so i yeah i'm three stars on this um are there other ones we're missing that are big ones 90 serial killer I woman. I mean, there are so movies. many. I I said copycat. You brought up all the two thousands ones with Ashley Judd. It feels like yeah, yeah, they're mostly <laughs> Ashley Judd vehicles. Let's be real. Yeah, my Google didn't help out with that. So let's just move on. The next movie, uh, I should have transitioned this way. Which brings me to, which brings me to you, uh, rom com. Another cheap movie that I think was really harmed by me, to me by how amateurish it was. Uh, Lucy Hale's in it. One of the wolves in it, uh, inside of you are two wolves, Nat or Wolf, uh, Nat or Alex. This one is Nat. I think it's Nat. Nat Wolf. It is Nat, yes. Here's the trailer. And it's Nat like N-A-T, not like G-N-A-T. It's Nat, Nat Wolf. But there are two Fs in Wolf. I know way too much about this guy. Here's the trailer for Which Brings Me to You. I was fully dreading coming to this wedding until you showed up. Can I get a cranberry juice with ice and vodka? When I first saw you, I thought that we should have sex in the coat closet. (laughs) Yeah? Wait, hold on. I am kind of in a weird place. Yeah, you're in a beach club coat closet. <laughs> you think that we could just talk for a minute? <sighs> so is that the subversion or the, like the surprise you're referring to? I feel like you talked about you're like it 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 it's the, you, you were surprised by this or something. I was I surprised like, by it. Yeah. Were you surprised by it because like, you know, you expect them to have sex but the 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 gag is right before they have sex they have to tell each other the entire history of their relationship. Uh I, I don't know. I thought they were I thought there was going to be like all the stuff in a romantic comedy with a bunch of complications that they have to fight through or something. Oh, sure. Going on here instead of just two characters talking through the whole. Oh, movie. yeah. It's that more. Yeah. It it, interesting. It's more like a dirt bag before sunrise or before sunset, whatever that movie's called. The Richard Linklater. Because um, it definitely tries to be funny. Like one of the gags early on is like, I came in my own eye. But like, I just didn't find this movie funny at all. And like, 
so therefore they're like hilarious witty banter just didn't work for me very much despite i think their their chemistry is fine i think they're both fine the movies just cheapness and amateurish directing the fact that it's like you know a guy who doesn't hasn't made much before it just comes off so flat to me it lacks energy it lacks style the gimmick of like the flashbacks but they're in it and popping up like it's been done a million times and in this one it just as i said earlier it was visually clever and interesting this one it's very clunky i thought and not well handled i thought it was derivative of other rom-coms i thought it was derivative of a particular episode of girls at times um but it reminded me of uh what did i write down i think i probably wrote down like definitely maybe that's a movie where they're just kind of like talking about past girlfriends reminded me of ghosts of girlfriends past because it's kind of just talking about past relationships i feel like i've seen this movie before man and they're all better so why does this one that has woody allen font up top why does this one deserve uh people's attention i appreciate it i don't think it's trying to be outright funny i think it is trying to dive into this idea that uh, what i appreciate about it is that the two characters near the top there's no expectation that they're going to necessarily get into a relationship like they both have problems and And, like i also had a problem with how they just met like the way the movie presents it it's so clunky it's just like they see each other and the she gives them a look that makes you think they already know each other but they don't and then they meet and they are immediately she says they should fuck it just it just it's a a romantic comedy i know but like that's it when i was watching it i was like thinking about anyone but you and how i said that was labored and i'm like oh no no this is labored i thought like this was way more labored oh man that. i don't oh man i'm 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 surprised i just i just appreciated the fact that it's about two people with no expectations for what's going to happen between them just talking about the stuff that they've gone through and realizing what is wrong with them instead of all the other people that are in their lives and that things keep going wrong i I like the fact that it's about two people talking about themselves and something deeper than just the stuff you might get in a romantic comedy where it's, you know, Oh, I like this thing. Oh, you like that thing too. I mean, we know we both really like they came together, which nails all that romantic comedy stuff, but it's not just about the external complications either that come into play, like to keep them apart. It really is. I I really thought really hated the third act fight. I thought it was total bullshit. The, like the way, Um, you know, they so they had to get to the fight to reconcile yeah. classic yes, shit. Yes, I have. But, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, I have issues with the third act because I was kind of on board with it up until that point. But I still don't care because I think it is getting at something deeper about these characters. I yeah. do think it is about patterns of behavior and yes. all of that stuff. I think it's all there. And I think just having these characters talk about it honestly and frankly with no expectations for anything going on, it was refreshing for me okay. at least to yeah. see that happen. I and I I think Hale and Wolf are both really charming here. I think their performances are a little bit more than the typical romantic comedy charm stuff. Sure. I'm I'm I don't know. I feel very defensive about it for some reason and I yeah. I don't think I really liked it, but it is a strong little movie about two people I dealing guess with their problems together. If I were to look at it and not try to judge it as a comedy and just like a nice little romance or something. Maybe I could get at what you're saying, but I was just disappointed because it definitely is trying to be funny a lot of the time, but then the other times it's deadly serious. And like, it's about her dating 
like mentally ill men who are all suicidal over and over again it seems like so like i just couldn't get with the tonal shifts of it seeming to be funny but like also here's my deadly serious backstory that you know the trauma i carry it just didn't the tone didn't work for me i didn't you know the moments that got serious just really didn't work i thought it was stilted and amateurish at times uh it's just one of those like the earnest stuff worked i thought okay some of it and some of it didn't and then it just wasn't funny enough so I really didn't, I just didn't find much to recommend here. I feel like I've, I've seen this movie done better uh, in terms of like characters revealing their past relationships to, talk, to you know, to find true love with the one they're with or whatever. It's, it's obviously aping Annie Hall structure too with flashbacks. That's why the font's there, I think. Um, it just didn't do a lot for me. But hey, I agree it's better than a lot of this type of shit. So don't take my two star review for which brings me to you too harshly if you're into this sort of thing okay i've given it three stars i think it works i think it works with what it's trying to do and i think it's trying to do a little something a little bit different than what you would expect from a romantic comedy so well all right let's agree again let's talk about the breaking ice Movies where people learn that, like, they need friends to enjoy life or they need to, like, say yes to, you know, going out and enjoying things. Definitely catnip to me. So I very much enjoyed this. Uh, Tell me what it was. Mock. Yeah, so it is three people in the city of Yanji in China, which is right on the border with North Korea. It's a very, very cold, cold place. Looks beautiful, though. Um, And three people don't know what they want out of life because they're in their 20s and they thought life would be one way and it didn't turn out that way. And the pandemic just happened. Yeah, and the pandemic just happened. So there's a lot of that, too. I forgot to mention that in my review. That was kind of an important detail. <laughs> you can the still time. Whatever. Yeah. Nah, it's whatever. Anyway, <laughs> so a lot of uncertainty, a lot of doubt. Um, one character works in Shanghai in finance, and he's just miserable in his life, contemplating suicide and depressed, and just ends up in Yanji for an uh, old classmate's wedding, gets on a tour bus with a woman who used to be a figure skater who could have been the Olympics, but she was injured. And so now she just works as a tour guide in the city. That's but as far as she can get away from home. Even that, like the backstory of her being a, a skater, it's told through, I think it's entirely through visual means. Am I wrong? I don't think they ever say I am um, an ice skater and this is my backstory. It was like no, that I beautiful mean, scene of her seeing the ice skating when no mm-hmm. one like the ice skater on the ice when no one else was there you seeing her broken foot or whatever her issue yeah the, i think the movie the movie is one of those like don't handhold the audience type of things where it's just like if you're paying attention you will be rewarded with all the details you need 
Yeah, a former teammate shows up at some point too to talk. So you know it's all yes. pretty clear. Um yes. and then there's a guy who works at his aunt's restaurant and she the, the tour guide goes there often on the tours if, because it's technically I guess authentic Korean style food. Because uh, that's the big selling point is that the city is full of a lot of people who are ethnically Korean and so it's people from across China trying to get a taste of different Korean things that are right there. It's an interesting concept, but the heart of it is just these three people connecting on that level of, we don't know what we're doing with our lives. Let's have a little bit of fun if we can, while we can. And along the way, they figure out like, oh, maybe it's not as bad as it seems. Maybe I'm not supposed to have everything figured out in my 20s. It's a simple idea, and it, but it works so well just because it's about people talking and hanging out and talking about things that matter and then having it against the backdrop of this really gorgeous city with all these different sites that you can see, including things out in nature. The climax is not in the city at all. It has to do with um, this mountainous region. I don't want to give away exactly what it is because it's like, oh, OK, but I, I yeah. It, it works. It works exactly what it's trying to do, which is and just like, to yeah. study these characters and have them interact. And we haven't even mentioned like the lead character is like a suicidal guy who we meet like about to jump off of something and like is constantly looking for something to jump off of. And instead he says, yeah, like, you know, doesn't I forget how the inciting incident is with them, but like he says yes to hanging out with them. He loses his phone. So he ends up hanging yeah. out with the tour guide and she's like, why don't you come hang out with us? So he goes and has a fun drunken night, which causes him to lose, you know, wake up late and miss his plane. So he stays longer. And it's just, yeah, say yes to life. One of my favorite genres of movie. It can be this form of like friendship and just going out and camaraderie and learning everything. It can be in the form of like a romance movie that says say yes to love, which was like a fire. Um, I just love it. It's my favorite type of movie, and this is a very great example of one. Um, that I think is kind of slyly brilliant at conveying a lot with a little and via visual means without you know explaining to you via dialogue just what's going on. Yeah, I was very moved and touched by this movie. A very solid three stars for the breaking ice. Yeah, solid three stars for me too. And you're you're right about like those visual elements, like the way that it 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 shows you that compulsion that he has that feeling to jump where he's just watching snow plummet to the ground after he kicks it off. Like, yeah, that's really striking in a way that dialogue can't communicate, but you understand like that feeling that he's going through just from that image. It is really strong stuff. I'm not at a hundred percent. What did you feel about the furry metaphor near the end? I wasn't sold on that. I think it's a touching moment, but I don't a furry metaphor near the end. Why am I? Rem I just watched this. What it's, am I? I know it's, it's a, it's kind of a big furry thing near the end. Oh, 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 yeah. oh, oh. Well, I will say, you know, it looked it, quite bad in terms of cheapness, yeah. but like, I like the moment. I don't know. Okay. I, I like the it. moment too, but I'm not hundred percent sold just on the idea of it either, especially when you have it so strong about the characters and yeah, and it definitely like breaks broken. the fourth wall. It doesn't quite break the fourth wall, but it breaks the reality of the movie in a way, I guess. Yeah, that's I like a, I'm just bringing it up because it's like a very isolated thing that yeah. comes out of nowhere. And I, I literally it, forgot it. I, I was know. like, that's it. It was terrible. Yeah. I don't know why I brought it up. It was just something that I thought of. Like, that's something that stands out as not working in this when so much else of it does. I think that was just more the comparison of how strong the movie is up until that moment that it stands out. 
Anyway, I love that at first they were like, and this is something I experienced when I like I landed in LA once and I got my phone stone stolen out of my back pocket at LAX. I think you had to deal with me during that time and we probably just didn't talk for a week. Um, (laughs) So like being cut off from the world without your phone is like a very real thing. And I think this movie mentions that up top when he loses his phone, like you're cut off. Doesn't it suck? Blah, blah, blah. And then I feel like the movie kind of refutes that as you go. Cause like, you don't need a phone, man. Just like go out and like be out with people. There's always stuff to do and people to talk to. And yeah, I just love shit like this. So it worked for yeah, me. Cause I'm you know what I'm thinking about the other two characters are barely on their phones. If at all, because they are trying to get away from either, yeah. you know, the, the woman's trying to the get reality away from of the her world. past. Yeah. And the guy, doesn't have anyone to talk to because his family is right there and his yes. parents have basically disowned him, I think. It's- and there's really something interesting between the fact that, you know, you can tell that that like that very attractive man is very into her and she doesn't want any part of him, but she is more interested in this new guy. And there's definitely like years and years of tension between them that this guy's stepping right into. It, there's a lot of interesting elements. Yeah, there's like, a would, lot. There's a lot yeah. of really good stuff that doesn't bring up any unnecessary. We're talking about this even longer after we give. But like when yeah. when the guy when the friend realizes what happened between the two of them, and he's just like he's just happy. He's just I happy know. that his friend is happy yeah. for once in her life. Nice, I really nice like movie. that. Yeah, it's just a nice moment, just through a smile. Anyway, anyway, let's good movie. <laughs> yes, good movie. The Breaking Ice. This next movie. Dolph Lundgren presents a Dolph Lundgren film written by Dolph Lundgren, starring Dolph Lundgren. It's called Wanted Man. Here's the trailer. You have to save yours and our reputation. The DEA murders in Silverado. Remember that? Yeah, two undercover agents killed in a drug buy. We're DEA! I got the marshals to agree to send you down and bring those two witnesses back here. Sometimes I mess around with movie lines. You looking at me? Mm-hmm. Somebody else around here? Algun problema? I enjoyed that action scene, and I enjoyed the action scene where Dolph Lundgren gets a shotgun. Uh, but beyond that, you know, why didn't this... Did, did, I'm assuming this didn't work for you very much. Very, I don't remember what you where you landed on this one. Yeah, it did not work okay. for me. So yeah. why not? Why not? <laughs> no pressure or anything. Um, what what is it? What is it? It's very clunky at the top, where it's trying to set up that Lundgren's character is, you know, old school eighties loving Reagan voting, um, kind of racist, anti immigrant, uh, um, anti immigrant. I don't know. If, yeah, we don't have to say racist. Yeah, I don't. Very yeah, anti immigrant to the point, like specifically. Openly anti-mexico in a way that feels like that's a a bit extreme that you're just like against an entire country just because well it's like the idea you know the fox news vision of of mexico as just fully you cartel owned drug yeah uh, horrible place americans shouldn't go like it's like that fox news gets a name drop in here as a cnn and msnbc it's really laying it on thick like hey this guy you know this guy. You know I this wrote, guy. yeah, he's a stereotype of a border patrol, white cop, strip clubs, beer, talking, sh- like, shittily talking about how he hates undocumented immigrants in the country. Yeah. Like, very open. Like, like, very, very sad. And I was very curious, like, oh, wait, is where is this movie going? Because it really lays it on thick. And then I do, and- you know, I'll applaud him because I do think the ultimate message is these cops are bad guys. 
<laughs> yeah, it's a, yeah. You know what though, and that's where I think my big issue with it is, is that it brings up like the most obvious, the most obvious yes. thing. Like cops shouldn't be racist or yeah. prejudice against people from you know various ethnicities. They shouldn't do that. Like okay, cool, yeah. but um, we're still not talking about the big elephant in the room, which is that this guy beat up a <laughs> beat up somebody in the line of duty instead of just arresting him. Um, so there's a lot of unchecked. Uh, police brutality stuff that just is like yeah it's okay you know what as long as he's not racist <laughs> there's a lot it brings up a lot of issues I don't think it intends to bring up without addressing them because I don't think the movie is smart enough to realize oh there is a deeper problem that we are addressed that we're bringing up here but we don't have we don't even have the knowledge to to address it or acknowledge it in any way anyway that's my big issue at least with the top and then after that it's like there are two I don't even know if that first action scene is very good, but the one it, in the yeah, house, it is, and it's just the maybe standoff like in the, the house. Yeah. The standoff in yeah. the house is is well shot and well choreographed. I did enjoy that one, but I mean, shooting the guy through the fence was the best part. Yeah. <laughs> you know exactly where it's going yeah. once you realize. Oh, it's it's about not being prejudiced against people from Mexico or the entire country of Mexico. Like you did the bare minimum. Congratulations. I don't really care about this movie that much to really, you know point out that i mean that's it it's just such a simplistic view yeah. of the world and cliche uh, characterizations yeah cliche twists the like yeah uh, he ends up like hold up with the the witness that he's protecting uh, yeah i don't know it's not yeah, that interesting it's, it's, it's just not really <laughs> yeah it's really not the kelsey grammar's in it there, yeah, Kelsey Grammer's in it. It's far more interesting as an idea of Dolph Lundgren as the former action star trying to say, my glory days are over. What can I do now? That's the more interesting idea here is what can he do? He spends a good chunk of this movie like laid up in bed after being shot. That's a, yes. that's it's that stuff on the yes. meta level. That's more interesting. And I think Lundgren directed it. He stars in it. He co-wrote the screenplay. By the end... By the end, that ending note is like the worst possible way to end the movie, especially when you have a character skip over the big speech, apparently, that gives the entire message away. Instead, you go back like, wait, does Dolph Lundgren really still think it is? He could be in the 80s in his glory days by having it end on that note. It's so it's so yeah, weird. I've already uh, forgotten. This is one I watched literally a week ago, I think, and I've already forgotten almost all of it except for the parts i mentioned that i enjoyed like the shotgun yeah. blasting the, <laughs> shoots a guy through a fence when he can't really see him and it's pretty cool um a lot of downtime for an 85 minute movie too like it's just like a yeah. lot of waiting around for stuff to happen and you already know what's going to happen so mm -hmm. it's just hard to talk about really it's just not a lot to it classic dtv bullshit it's a one and a half uh for me for wanted man yeah one and a half for me too dolph lundgren auteur only time will tell I mean, he's directed a few things. I didn't I know. I really that. thought I thought this was his debut and I was sorely mistaken. He has directed yeah. several things over the course of several years. Yeah. Um, and I know that he was going to there was going to be another Creed or a spinoff of his character, Drago, that is now on hold because Creed three was huge. So I wonder what happens with that, because I thought when they brought him back in, was it Creed two? I thought it worked. Um, I like those movies a lot. Uh, anyway. Here is the trailer for our last movie, another for very forgettable movie starring Guy Pierce and Alex Pettifer. Remember that guy? He was supposed to be the hot guy for a minute, and I don't think it were panned out for him. Here's I the trailer. I remember him from Sunrise. 
Yeah. Okay. I feel like I remember him from. There Magic was Mike. Th- oh yeah, yeah. That is, and I feel like the that was one controversial actor from that movie where people were like, I think the performances are good, except maybe that guy. I feel like some people have that take. Um, but he was to me. I feel like he started. I'm assuming it was the movie called Operation Stormbreaker, which is based on a book that I read when a book series I read when I was a child, and I think that was like his breakout. Yes, 2006, Stormbreaker. Alex Pettifer, Mickey Rourke. Never saw it. I aged out of it by then. You know who I bet saw it? I bet Mark Dusick saw it. Did you see it? I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> I might have seen well, that one. I'll check the archive while okay. we watch this trailer for Sunrise. You don't believe in the right code, son? It's a story made up to scare kids. Oh, he's out there, son. Waiting for you. got a distress call they heard your wife screaming guess you got no reason to be here deputy felon you're a peace loving reasonable man but we ain't the red coat he's primal we feed him I had to linger on. If you're on YouTube, you just saw the funniest promotion for a movie I've ever seen, which is from a producer of The Expendables 2 and The Mechanic. (laughs) That is unbelievable. Holy shit. Okay. Well, that's about the caliber of movie you're dealing with. You have to brag about your association with The Expendables 2. I also think it's just called Expendables. So the, the just makes it like even shittier of a trailer for a fake movie. Anyway. This movie was confusing, right? Like it's about horror stuff, but it's also just like about a guy who's just the movie just hammers the point. This man is racist and xenophobic and he can't stop talking about how people should not mix and the melting pot was a mistake and everyone should stay where they belong. Um, Very, very boring stuff. Tell me what you made of this thing. It is so weird that Pierce's character, who is the like white nationalist. (laughs) Yeah. Except just I know I think he actually does come out specifically. He doesn't say I that he is a white nationalist, but I think he he, he basically says it at some point. Anyway, he's the yeah. character who gets like the most lines of dialogue. He's the one who says the most. He's the one that does the most. It's a weird choice to do that. Like, yeah, we understand the villain. We get his motivation. We get he's a terrible, terrible person. Can we learn a little bit about these other characters who apparently matter more? but somehow matters so much less like Alex uh, Pettifer plays essentially the crow, except that he's been resurrected by the, <laughs> you're Asian... right. I didn't even think yeah. about that. Oh, really? He's I mean, he's, crow. Wearing, he's, yeah. he's the crow, except he's been resurrected <laughs> by the red coat, which yeah. is a vampiric figure of ancient lore who lives out in the Pacific Northwest woods. I, I and, and ends up going back to his home. And there is a family of, immigrants from china i believe it's china i don't think they even specify it this is how little detail there is about the characters who aren't guy pierce's character the overt racist who the overt murderous <laughs> racist yeah has more yeah kills an movie. asian man first thing and very much oh, makes it clear that it's a racist murder <laughs> it's such a it's such an easy it's a layup it's an undead resurrected spirit of vengeance trying to kill the racist guy who has been terrorizing this town for decades 
And instead, it's just about how bad the racist guy is. I, it's I, so confusing. It's it's really. I really was trying. Like I almost, I I watched a lot of it a second time because I basically I watched it in chunks, like two chunks, and I was like. I must have not been paying attention because I have no idea what this is about. And I rewatched like the first half hour maybe, and then kept watching it. And I was like, Nope, it's just a shitty movie. Yeah. It doesn't it's really have a poorly structured movie. Yeah. It doesn't. <laughs> yeah. It's so confusing. I'm like, who's the lead? Is it this guy? Is he the vampire? Is he the red coat? I guess he's not, but I guess he was eaten by the red coat. And then they eventually explain that. And it's just like, okay. So it's like a town that is sacrificing people to like a force, which is very like, What's that movie you didn't like that I like? The Carvis one. Whatever the fuck that was. It reminded me of that. Um, yeah, it just is boring as all fuck. And I I don't know, man. Who cares about these two guys having like a clash? Like he killed him. He's alive again, thanks to an urban legend. And I guess the movie wants me to think it's cool that they're going to fight or something. But it takes 85 minutes of nothing happening. Yeah, it takes it's... forever for them to even meet. And I'm also confused because I think some of the characters who encounter him at some point were involved in the thing. By the way, it happened 10 years ago. In case you forget. Oh, God. 10 years <laughs> later. You put it 10 years ago on the screen every time there's a flashback. Yeah. Like, just in case you forgot. Sucks, man. This movie I'm pretty sucks. Sure, uh, I'm pretty sure the people who were involved would have recognized him before that. But okay. Anyway, didn't we whatever. kill that guy? Didn't we tie that yeah. guy to a tree? Yeah. And... He looked familiar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like, the movie, is the movie trying to like get mystery out of, out of, you know, something's feeding on animals and chickens and stuff. And it's like, yeah, I know. You told me there's like a vampire thing or like a it just it tells you what it's doing and then it tries to be mysterious about what it's doing. I think is a problem. It has like the opening text of like uh, a bunch of text on screen about like the red coat requires animal sacrifices, blah, 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 blah. Uh, it is just nonsense. And we haven't even talked about like the leads are ostensibly this immigrant family that don't really get that much to do, but be the subject of racist ridicule. It is it's a bad movie, man. It's a bad. I'm just going to go one star on Sunrise. It's I completely understand it. I'm giving it one and a half. I don't even remember why. I'm just, I, I, whatever. <laughs> Guy Pierce is like giving a performance, I guess. You he give is. Him half yeah. A star he's, for that. Yeah. He's good um, at being the wrong character <laughs> as the central <laughs> focus the of the movie. Yeah. What Ridiculous. a weird choice. Ridiculous. Um, all right. Well, that was nine movies for the week of January or the weekend of January 19th. Last week, we covered 11. The week before that, it was like four. So last year, we covered 394, I think. So we're well on our way to being at 394 or more for this year. Uh, Godspeed. Thanks for listening. Give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Give us a review on Spotify. Uh, I know there's more of you out there. If you're on YouTube, please jump on over to Apple Podcasts. Jump on over to Spotify and give us. let your voice be heard. Don't have to say much. Uh, we appreciate it. We'll be back next week with movies, hopefully less of them. Uh, speaking of movies, there's a song called Movies by Alien Ant Farm. That's the only tenuous connection to the podcast it has is the word movies. Here it is. Goodbye. The show starts in one...
Showcase. 